0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the fantasy football podcast, the Broto fantasy football podcast. I was going to say fantasy football by Broto, like the app. Um, with that being said, go download the app. I'll introduce Matt after the fantasy football by Broto app <laughs> on the on the Apple App Store and the Android App Store on tablets, all that good stuff um, for everything you need to dominate your fantasy football league it Has player cards, statistics, true values, true matchup ranks. Um, our podcast, our articles, literally everything you think of. You could open up the Broto app and just play around with it for hours and not even realize because there's so much info packed into one app. For Yeah, for absolutely, as do I, for absolutely no cost. And not just because, you know, I own the company, but because I do, I now do like legitimately 98% of my fantasy research just straight from the app. Um, it's glorious. So download it if you haven't yet. Um, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. If you want to support the show and support the app, that's what currently supports the app and the fine people over in our discord. You could, you could join the discord by joining uh Patreon. You get extra perks like the wave of wire episode, which becomes more and more important as the playoffs approach. We're in week 11 folks. So now's the time where you, uh, you really want to gather all the best pieces you can to take down your league mates and earn that championship but yeah, so go download the Fantasy Football by Broto app. And I'm here with Matt, since I decided not to introduce you
1: in the Heyo. beginning, Matt. How you doing, brother? Good, man. Uh, good Thursday night game going on. I mean, maybe not necessarily on paper, but I'm kind of excited about it. I got a little money on this game, so. Nice. I threw in
0: a couple, like, long shot parlays I yeah, typically same. do on the Thursday games. I did, man. I love one, island games. Yeah, one island game, the Rams and uh, Niners from a few weeks ago. I was like, this is going to be a cup and Debo game. Everyone else is going to suck. So I took their overs. I took touchdowns and I took unders on everyone else. And I was a Cooper Cup touchdown away from winning $3,000 oh, on a $10 bet because everything I said was happened, which he happened. He averages except...
1: like a touchdown a game, too. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So
0: very unfortunate. But um, <clears throat> yeah, we discussed the cooper cup injury on the monday pod go check that out if yeah. you haven't yet but um with that being said let's jump right into the uh news and notes no transition with Donnie h today because as you guys noticed, tim isn't here um tim has parent teacher conferences if you've been listening for a while you know at this point that tim is a teacher a day the jobs Utes. yeah if you're uh if you're a new listener now you know tim is a teacher for his day job um so he has he's currently speaking to parents right now i'm um, Almost positive he would rather be doing this with us here, Matt. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, what are you gonna do? Sometimes you just—that's uh, where the cookie crumbles. So Tim will be back for next week's Monday pod, and then um, for the foreseeable future as well, I believe. So going into the news and notes, starting off right away with the Los Angeles Rams, Sands, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford practice in full on Thursday. Um, this was from a concussion, so. At this point, you just have to expect that Stafford is back this week, yes?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, unless unless something further happens in the diagnosis, it's been a pretty linear progression for nearly everybody this season. You're especially with the new protocols with what happened with Tua. You're going to miss a game. You are going to miss a game, which maybe leads into somebody else that's in our news and notes. But uh, Juju, I, I highly doubt he plays this weekend.
0: Yeah. Uh, Juju has a concussion, has not um, practiced yet. He had like that Tua reaction where his hands went up in the air and just kind of froze. It was one of those scary concussions. So at this point, I think it's fair to just say that uh, Juju is out this week. Also, hot off the press, Miko Hardman is heading to IR and will miss at least four games.
1: Wow. Um, and meek is carving out a, a, like not just a nice role for himself because obviously his career in Kansas city hasn't been the brightest, but like a legitimate fantasy role too, where you were looking at that guy as like, I mean, he was a top 30 wide receiver for four weeks in a row. So yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: next up is, um, Gerald Everett, Deandre Carter, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen, Matt, I want you to try to just break down this Los Angeles Chargers all limited practices. And, uh, how do you feel this is going to go this weekend? Or do you have any idea?
1: I mean, it, it's it's pretty brutal for Justin Herbert already. Um, we talked about that kind of on, on the Monday pod in the last pod. I think his ribs are in a much worse position than the Chargers were leading us on to believe from that week two injury in the first place. And that said, he's already been throwing to a bunch of Walmart employees, essentially Sands, Keaton Allen Sands, Mike Williams, um, with guys like Michael Bandy earning a consistent amount of targets and, and obviously Josh Palmer taking over the lead role there. Austin Eckler being really their wide receiver one. So it's it's a rough situation for Justin Herbert specifically. Obviously, the Chargers aren't really in the position that they thought they would be in the AFC West uh, to be able to make a solid playoff run I think yeah there's still a lot of season left and they can rattle off enough wins to to sneak into the wild card but they're not winning that division um and yeah like we we probably saw Justin Herbert's lowest ceiling last week where he didn't even break 200 yards but I mean you might be seeing more of that moving forward
0: yeah um it just it's like if you're a Chargers fan you got to be like I don't know, just like kind of tired at this point. How every year yeah, the Chargers sure. are like super hyped and they have the roster that seems like they're going to dominate this year, you know. And then they just have the same season over and over. Even with now they have Justin Herbert, who's like this young star quarterback. But yeah, it's uh I don't know Chargers fans. We'll see. Hopefully, maybe they make a late season push once Keenan Allen and Mike Williams do return. But uh, it's been a interesting season for the Chargers. Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson, both limited in practice. I'm thinking nothing of that. You? Nothing, right? Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah. yeah.
0: Limited, limited for guys like that is, is they're already playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, DeAndre Hopkins did not practice today out of nowhere. S- seeing like thinking some people think that it could be a rest day. Some people think it could be an injury popping up. I've not seen much about it. I just saw that he didn't practice. Are you looking into that at all? Or you think it's just kind of like a, a veteran rest day?
1: I, I The latter. Um, but it was something that because it did happen, I remember seeing on Twitter, somebody pointing out that he like had missed an entire drive in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was why Rondale had a like for the first time in his career, had a higher snap percentage and route t- participation than Hopkins did. um. So maybe it is uh, because he did randomly, uh, like I said, I remember seeing it. It did randomly miss like an entire drive in the fourth quarter. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe it is serious then. But, 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 it, uh, I, but the latter is what I, I do think is because that if it's a minor injury where he was obviously able to come back into the game, then this is probably a veteran's rest day where you're not going to force a limited practice on a guy that has a minor injury. That is Deandre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Mark Andrews. The word is that he'll return this week, but he was absent from the media portion of practice. He ended up getting a limited tag. How, I mean, at this point, like if he plays, you have to start Mark Andrews, right? But it's, yep. getting, uh, it's getting a little frustrating trying to figure this damn thing out with Mark Andrews.
1: But have um, to start him and frustrating figuring things out with Ravens injury reports in general, because a lot of cleared to play and then 10 snap decoy stuff happening with that team. Oh, yeah. Um, Next up, Jerry Judy. We discussed this on the Monday,
0: Matt. We both thought, you know, I I feel like they're downplaying the Judy injury a little bit. If it wasn't that bad, why did he miss the entire game? Well, he hasn't practiced yet this week, and uh, it's looking more and more likely that he's not going to suit up this weekend after all. So could be a big Cortland Sutton type game. Um, Hollywood Brown, your favorite guy, participated in Thursday practice. This is a a tough one because he plays Monday night and, you know, you don't know what to do with him because if he plays, you clearly want to play him. If he doesn't, what do you do? Like, right. Like you're going to pick up. It's not like you could pick up DeAndre Hopkins or Rondell Moore. Like you're going to have to pick up Greg Dortch, maybe. And that's just a Hail Mary.
1: Yeah. but Yeah. So. Both of those are, are, are true, yeah. Hail Marys, and, and on the other side of the ball, I mean, I, I guess if you're really thinking strategy that way, on the other side, you could you could maybe fill in a, a Trent Sherfield or Juwan Jennings uh, type of guy um, in yeah. that last minute la- that last minute pickup. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm very high on Hollywood. If anybody that's ever been on Twitter before and, and follows me knows that, like, I, I'm very high on Hollywood. I genuinely do not think that DeAndre Hopkins' greatness is mutually exclusive to Hollywood being able to continue a 25% uh, target share and a wide receiver one or, or high end wide receiver two, um finish for the rest of the season should his, you know, foot hold up and, and not limit his production.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, especially imagine DeAndre Hopkins injury is like semi-serious and he's out right when Hollywood Brown
1: returns again. Which is again. insane. If the Cardinals <laughs> literally never play these three wide receivers at the same time, that'll be some of the craziest stuff ever. Yeah, and just one correction because I
0: hate when we uh make even the smallest errors on this pod. Trent Sherfield is now on the uh the Miami Dolphins. Right, Dolphins. That's Jennings, right. I, f- I forgot. Jennings, I forgot sure. about that.
1: He was a part of that little movement. Yep. <laughs>
0: um, Wondell Robinson did not practice on Thursday, and uh, he's looking less likely to play this week in a semi-dream matchup against the um the Detroit Lions. So looks like it could be no Wondell Robinson in that one, and a big day. Big possible day for a certain wide receiver who will not be named until later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, Traylon Burks, the Monday night, the Thursday night football game is on right now. Traylon Burks just railed in a 40-yard catch looking spry. Welcome back, Traylon Burks. But I think that's about it for the, um, unless you could remember, uh, unless you have something I think I missed, I think that's about it for the news and notes. Keep it a little shorter this time since Tim's not here. I'm always trying to get him to hurry up with the <laughs> news and notes section to get into the to the meaty portion of it. But yeah, I think that's about it. So I'm gonna leave it at that for the news and notes. After the news and notes is when we get into the meaty portion of it, as I mentioned, and our first uh segment, our first segment is the tier breaker up of the week. The tier breaker up of the week means a guy that is poised to jump a tier. So if he's a wide receiver, too, typically. You think he'll be a wide receiver one. Um, and yeah, it's simple as that. So, Matt, who do you think, or who do you have as your first tier breaker
1: up this week? I'm going to do a quick little honorable mention. Uh, I, I, Kind of wanted to add three guys here because we didn't have Tim, but it, but it's pretty quick. I think Daniel Jones is poised for a legit top 10 finish. The kid's averaging 16.5 points per game. He sits inside of the top 12 players overall at the position, but is still getting no respect for his quietly efficient, like super low turnovers and obviously productive season. Now, you're talking about dream matchups. The Lions are the best passable matchup for boosted rushing totals uh, from opposing quarterbacks. Their first overall and true matchup ranking to that. Uh, Jones is in a smash position to finish as a top 10 quarterback, but consensus is too scared to rank him properly, so I'll plant my flag here right now and say Daniel Jones, top 10. Um, that said, a big tier breaker up, and I think a, a narrative that you know you touched on and I kind of looked a little deeper into, and I think there might be some weight to it, but it's Corderell Patterson. Uh, I think he's he's poised to finish well above where his ECR is disrespecting him at running back 26 right now. Quarter uh, Patterson Cordell Patterson's first game back from injured reserve. He had 13 carries, one reception, 53 total yards, two touchdowns, and had 100% of the red zone opportunity, or inside of the five opportunities, rather, not Tyler Algier. So technically, there was one play that was a penalty, but that was called back, obviously, so can't count that for Algier. (laughs) Um, And yeah, he played 40% of the offensive snaps in that game. And those totals declined on a short week in week 10 against the Panthers, which, you know, you kind of eloquently brought up to my attention in the last episode and it makes perfect logical sense that the falcons were not willing to overexert their lead back in just his second game back from a four game stand on ir and only two days of preparation really because you know veterans don't usually practice on that short window on the first day because it's just a walkthrough anyway so he's capable of putting up week winning numbers on any given sunday even in a low opportunity share um which he's been able to do the entire time that he's been under Al- arthur smith really And I don't think there's the narrative of like a complete changing of the guard as as strong as it should be with Tyler Algier. I mean, if anything that kind of opens up Uh, more opportunities for Corderell Patterson, his comfort, like Algiers comfortability and his like middling production where he's not really good enough to take over a role is really similar to what we saw last year with Mike Davis, where Mike Davis was getting a good amount of the rushing production and rushing opportunities, but that was just enough to key defenses off of Patterson for some of those more interesting schemes. Um, And now the Falcons, they get the bears in week 11 uh, who allow 142 rushing yards to opponents on average. That's 28th in the NFL. Um, their top 10 yeah eighth top 10 fantasy matchup and true matchup rankings they allow 24.5 points per game to the position that's a points over average of 18.7 percent. the eighth best matchup and they're actually pretty good at stopping the pass but struggle against stopping uh pass catching running backs so with marcus mariota obviously not going to be passing a whole lot and a lot of those targets needing to be allocated in a smart manner to keep the falcons inside of games where he's not turning the ball over. um, I see a lot of checkdowns. I see more work than we saw from Patterson in week one and definitely tier breaker up M- mid range RB two. Um, And like I said, he-, he does have top 12 upside for sure.
0: You know, I like that. I like that one a lot. Cause yeah, like we said, he had the short week and now even though he disappointed in the short week, now he gets extra days to rest and bounce back in a pretty dream matchup here against the Chicago bears. Um, so I agree with you. I think the people are sleeping on Cordell Patterson a bit just because of that uh, that down previous game. Last time, his, the other time he had a bad game this fantasy season. He only has two bad games bad, um, like, yeah, of five. The next time out, he ran for 140 yards and a rushing touchdown against the Seahawks after his bad game against the Rams in week two. So we'll see how it goes this week against Chicago. But I like that one a lot. Um, For me, you started with an honorable mention. I'm going to start with an honorable mention as well. I, I'm going to throw Garrett Wilson here. I've used him way too much this year, so I don't want to use him again. But <laughs> last time we played against New England, he went six for 115 on seven targets. Uh, Jets are coming off a bye. He's an every down guy now. Garrett Wilson's still being ranked as a wide receiver three flex play. I think he's uh, better than that. But my first tier breaker up. Paris Campbell and Matt Ryan's last three starts. I tweeted this a couple days ago. Paris Campbell has totaled 32 targets, 24 receptions, 203 yards and three touchdowns. And this isn't just Jesus. one big. Yeah, this isn't just one big monster game. He's been a wide receiver one in three consecutive Matt Ryan starts. And I know there's a tough matchup against Philly this week or 23rd and two matchup rank. But Darius Slay is going to be on the outside covering Michael Pittman or Alec Pierce, whichever guys on his side leaving Paris Campbell to operate in the slot as he's been doing so effectively over the last several weeks with Matt Ryan at QB. I'm throwing the Sam Ellinger games out the window. I do not care about those games because the no one should. Sam Ellinger is not an NFL quarterback. And look, the Eagles are more susceptible to the ground game than most people think as well. Their sixth and true matchup rank for running backs rushing. 25th passing, which is why they look better than they actually are. But with Jonathan Taylor the rushing is what matters, right? So if JT is able to get going, he's able to do his thing, average four or five yards per carry and the Colts offense gets moving a little bit. I think the Colts could surprise a little bit. I don't think you're going to beat the Eagles by any means, but if they put up 20 plus points, I would not be surprised. And I think Paris Campbell here continues to be slept on at this point. He's playing nearly every single snap and he's just had, he's just been a monster for three consecutive weeks with Matt Ryan and somehow some reason he's still being ranked as a mid to low end wide receiver three I think he's a rock solid wide receiver two this week
1: at the very least I um, absolutely agree it's kind of crazy to see Paris Campbell really put together what he was so highly touted for even coming into the NFL like this is what happens when he's finally healthy I think Paris Campbell's a very talented wide receiver
0: yeah and uh it's that really is like he was drafted out of Ohio State to have this type of role and make this type of impact. And he's just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that's been the main concern with Campbell throughout his NFL career. So Matt, why don't you hit me with your second tear
1: breaker up? Tear breaker up a a bit of a Tim suggestion here as well Um, and my hat hanger of the season but T Higgins the Bengals match up against division rivals in week 11 they travel to face the Steelers who allow 34.1 points per game to opposing wideouts with a points over average rating of 16.4 percent that ranks them as the sixth best matchup for the position now I'll admit Higgins has certainly not been the league-winning asset that I anticipated or that he showed that he was last year, right? He finished top 12 in points per game last season, at least through the first 10 weeks. We still have a lot of season left, and and all of this in spite of Jamar Chase being inactive with a hip injury. So Higgins is the lead guy, but he's not really putting up those lead guy numbers. Now, he's averaging 12.8 points per game, which is wide receiver 27 this season, but he's not been bad by any means. He just hasn't been really that side-by-side alpha that I predicted, but I think that's going to change this week. He has only one game outside of the top 36 receivers, which came all the way back in week one. I'm not counting the decoy game where he only played one snap, and he's has an excellently exploitable matchup. Uh, he's exhibited all the necessary peripheral metrics, too, for some positive aggression in the scoring department. He ranks 14th in true target value, uh, six or more targets in every game this season, save for week one and, and the, the decoy game. I'm expecting week winning numbers out of my hat hanger this week, and I certainly think he breaks wide receiver two tier, which is suggesting low end wide receiver two, even in a leading role. I mean, <clears throat> I was seeing rankings with Tyler Boyd and him back to back. I think T. Higgins vastly outscores Tyler Boyd this week, and I have him in my top twelve at twelve.
0: I like it. I like it. The only the only concern I have is that like Themy, shout out to Themi um on Twitter pointed out that the Pittsburgh Steelers defense has been Absurdly better in the two games that TJ Watt has played. Um both has been back, yep. Yeah. Sixth and first in defensive DVOA, I, I believe, or EPA, one of the two, um, in those two weeks, and they were 31st otherwise this season. So that's a little bit concerning, I think. But again, it's just a, it's a small
1: sample, and obviously TJ Watt improves the defense. Like I don't think that needs to be um Right. Right. But also no Minka Fitzpatrick. He's out with an appendectomy um, and that secondary has looked horrendous already. So I mean, yeah, we know that the Bengals offensive line isn't that great, but the more time that they can afford Joe Burrow to pass, the better. If they can hold off a, a bit of that pass rush. I mean, I, I see. And, and we've we saw what Burrow did to that defense earlier in the season as well. That was one of his better games. Right. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, my second tier breaker up Kadarius. Tony, look. I'm firing up Kadarius Tony happily as a wide receiver too this week. I was not huge wow. on the, yeah, I was not huge on the Tony bandwagon. Um, once the trade That's like happened, two tears up. Yeah, because of the target competition in KC. But boy, has that dwindled quickly. I mean, KC is now expected to be without Juju this week. McCole Hardman was just put on IR, and MVS is even dealing with an illness in his own right. Sure, he'll probably be back and play, but we've seen a. Uh, players dealing with an illness have bad games several times in the past where it's not something you think would be serious or even get limited snaps and such but i mean i'm i'm not saying he's gonna i don't think mvs it's a different role no matter what from Kadarius tony right. but right Either way, Kadarius Tony is set to play a solid amount of snaps. And a lot of people are saying, oh, Kadarius Tony played less than Justin Watson last week. Yes, yeah, so what, dude? He played 44% of the snaps in his second game with the Chiefs like 10 days after they acquired him. Like, what do you expect to happen? What do you expect, Kadarius Toney, to play 100% of the snaps in his second week with the team learning a new playbook and the new system? Kind of, kind of just a second week after.
1: In the NFL this season, too. People yeah. are really downplaying that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's not act like Justin Watson is like some real, like legitimate threat to Kadarius tony If Kadarius Tony's ready to go, he's going of- to be playing more. He was uh and now he's dynamic and effective, as we know, with the ball in his hands. He made a he went up and got a pass. He got a touchdown and all that. And now he should see even more opportunities this week against Los Angeles Chargers Sunday night in a game that has this game has very like I could see it being low scoring if the Chargers don't have their weapons and their defense steps up. I could also see a huge shootout if Mike Williams and Keaton Allen return and Justin Herbert is like, I have my my toys back. I could start balling out again. So we'll see what happens. But it's a Sunday night game. We know Patrick Mahomes does not fold in the uh in the spotlight ever. Kadarius Toney is set to play even more snaps, see even more targets. He even had two rush attempts last week. I think Kadarius Tony is in a tremendous spot here to, to have a big fantasy day. With that being said, Matt, we're going to jump into the tier breaker down, which is, you guess it, the same thing as tier breaker up, just the opposite. If it's a wide receiver two, you think he's going to be a wide receiver three. And that uh, for any position, just replace the numbers and the position. I'm going to start it off this <laughs> yeah. week's, I'm going to start it up uh, this segment since you started the last one. Just going to jump right into it with DJ Moore. Look, DJ Moore has had back-to-back very solid games with PJ Walker on their center. We saw that happen, and everyone was like, let's go. DJ Moore is back. And then everything came crashing back down again, right? Like, Baker is expected to start now as well because PJ Walker has a high ankle sprain. And I struggle to think of any other combination in the league with worse chemistry than Baker Mayfield and DJ Moore. If we're being honest, even in a decent matchup on paper against a Baltimore secondary, which they've been better since they've acquired some assets over the last couple of weeks to bolster that defense. I just don't see how Carolina makes much noise in the passing game at all. DJ Moore has four games this year of less than five half PPR fantasy points. Besides those two games with PJ Walker, he has been a huge letdown. And for whatever reason, his expert consensus ranking is still within the top twenty-four wide receivers. I think that's bananas. I think he's more of a middling flex play in a in a matchup that looks better on paper than it actually is with a quarterback that he has absolutely no connection with at all. Matt, yeah, any thoughts really on DJ Moore?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I, I mean, I think you know I was kind of talking about this earlier on in the season too as soon as those blow up games come regardless of who the quarterback is it's time to sell um and if you didn't hit that window i would use it if it's still open i would use it vigorously because with baker mayfield under center it's going to look like it did before and potentially worse because they're going to have even less scoring opportunities
0: yeah exactly
1: hit me with your first uh tear breaker down matt Speaking of buys and sells, th- this guy was uh, highlighted in, in our buy-sell article this week in, in, for a good reason because I think the wheels are about to fall off. It's James Conner of the Cardinals. He he regained relevance in week 10. He had 69 yards, but on 21 carries, so really inefficient. And finally, healthy. There's some optimism that obviously his production is going to increase in the coming weeks, and the confidence was obviously cemented when they surprisingly cut you know Benjamin from the roster. Um, but I don't think we should be foolish enough to share that same confidence. Connors' inefficiencies uh, as a rusher are always getting masked up by the same volatile touchdown production that upheld his RB1 season in 2021. Colt McCoy under center, that offense is kind of struggling to score in the first place. They're putting up decent yardage, but not finding the end zone at a rate that you would expect, Um, and and less with Colt under center. He's posting a middling target share of 9.3% this season, which leaves managers to rely on essentially just his rushing output, and hope that he crosses the end zone twice a game. Uh, he's plotting his way to an average of just 3.8 yards per carry, 44.9 rushing yards, and 6.3 rushing yards per game. That shakes down to 0.53 points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, which is 29th overall. Well, actually, RB 29, not even 29th overall. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he he's just been... James Conner is what it is. It's kind of like you don't want to see how the sausage gets made. Yeah, he's going to put up numbers if he can cross the end zone, but that we know as analysts and as fantasy managers ourselves that, that you know, play in games and play in a lot of leagues, that touchdown variance is the most difficult thing to predict. Like, just look at last week. Just look into the last week and look who scored touchdowns. Like Nick Westbrook-Akine found the end zone twice. Nico Collins. Um, guys like Dante Pettis, one target, um, you know, one target, one touchdown. So it, it's just incredibly impossible to predict these things and yes he's getting opportunities inside of the red zone but again he he has 15 opportunities inside of the red zone this season uh, and has a conversion of under 20 percent. so it's not like he's been efficient even in high value situations and that's reflected by his points including touchdowns total and now he's got a super difficult matchup coming up um the four who, they face the 49ers in Mexico, an, uh, an international game, they allow 16.1 points per game to opposing running backs combined. That's 30th overall in true matchup rank to the position, a points over average of negative 18.3% and 21 Point cent negative uh differential to rushing production specifically. So, not to mention the game's going to be played on you know international soil against a difficult matchup, but James Conner has just not been it. And the it's not like he's getting a 80% opportunity share either. He's been incredibly inefficient and touchdown dependent with just over 60% of the opportunities. Now, yeah, no Eno you know, Benjamin now, but they've shown some confidence in in Keonta Ingram and Jonathan Ward is coming off IR. Who also gets some special team work. So you know, unless he, they really are expecting him to be healthy enough to carry closer to a league leading opportunity share. I'm not interested in James Conner's 12 touches for 64 yards.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hear you. It's tough to fully trust him when he's been. I mean, the hard Cardinals offense has been uh, not great this season. It's and just that's why you can't bench him
1: either. But certainly, tear breaker down. Yeah, but him playing 90 plus
0: percent of snaps last week was was something. If that happens again, he's probably just just volume based getting you at least like eight points. But I do think he's certainly a touchdown reliant option if you're looking for a big game out of him. <clears throat> My second Tier breaker down Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. Look, Adam Thielen looks looks pretty toast this season, and (laughs) I'm kind of surprised that we haven't been hearing more about him in fantasy circles as someone who's like let their fantasy managers down. Thielen is averaging under five receptions per game this year, just about 52 yards per game and has just two touchdowns on the season, which is usually where he saw where he shines. He's reached double digit half PPR fantasy points in just three of his nine games thus far. And as back-to-back single-digit performances, and the reason why that is notable is that that is when T.J. Hawkinson joined the team. Um, Hawk yeah. has Hawk has seen nineteen targets over his last two games, his first two games as a Minnesota Viking, compared to Adam Thielen's fourteen. So it's looking like T.J. Hawkinson has already surpassed Thielen as a number two target on the team. And people forget that Adam Thielen was a late riser. He was a he wasn't a guy like highly touted or anything. He had a he's 32 years old is what I'm getting at. Like he's, he's a guy people think is like 27 or 28 because he had that big year, but he had that big year when he was already like 27, 28. So now he's 32 Mm -hmm. years old and he's a solid floor wide receiver three. Like he'll get you the seven points or so, but even in a matchup that I like a lot this week with the Cowboys and Vikings, I think that's going to be a great game. I'll be discussing that shortly. Sneak peek. I just, I just, I think Adam Thielen at this point, he has to stop being ranked inside the top 24 receivers and more of a a flex play. Someone like a, someone you could just put in there and he's not going to lose your week, but he's also not going to win you your week. Yep. So Adam Thielen is my stock down and Matt, why don't you hit me with your second stock down to close out the segment.
1: I mean, speaking of single-digit fantasy performances, and this one hurts to bring up as a Saints fan, but stock, or yeah, stock down and tier down uh, for this week, it's Alvin Kamara. He has 9.2 and, and 7.5 and points over the last two contests. He hasn't finished inside of the top 10 running backs of the position since he scored 42.8 points against the Raiders, and he has just one such finish the entire season other than that. And what does Alvin Kamara do best? He's a pass catching running back. We know he doesn't run between the tackles and the saints are very inefficient on the ground in general, regardless of who's taken those touches uh, this year, their offensive line just isn't living up to what it was supposed to be. And, and I suppose, you know, PFF's uh, predicted offensive line rankings kind of projected that regard, even though they brought in some, you know, decent talent, but the passing game looks horrendous. The running game isn't going at all. Andy Dalton under center, just isn't getting it done. And I don't think things are going to get much better if they switch to Jameis, which is reported could happen as early as this week. And in fact, I I mean, Jameis would even mean a further decline in production for Camara, as we know, he doesn't like to check down. And I was looking this up to be how often does Jameis actually check down to to running backs? And it's 5.7 targets throughout his career, but just 3.7 targets per game to running backs since he's been with the saints. So couple all that with a pretty difficult defensive matchup not the worst matchup it's kind of middling in points over average but they they face the rams this weekend who allow just 96.1 rushing yards and 8.2 points per game to receiving production on average and you have yourself a running back that should be downgraded from the running back one tier and probably not just this game but moving forward as well and until you start to see a little bit of something a little bit of anything a little bit of life from that saints offense um and again yeah he he's a top 10 running back overall and in points per game but 82 percent of that production is coming from one contest
0: yeah the the saints offense has really struggled the last couple of weeks and Alvin Kamara has been a frustrating player to roster this season for sure it's you th- you thought he was getting it going there in the middle of the season, and then these back to back games where he was a letdown are are frustrating because you you expect the uh the consistency of a high end running back that Kamara hasn't really been able to, to provide his managers this season. With that being said, we're jumping into our next segment: matchup of the week. The game you are targeting this week for fantasy purposes, a game you just uh, you like the players in it, you like the upside in it, and all the good stuff that comes in a good fantasy football matchup. So Matt, why don't you hit
1: me with your matchup of the week? I'm going to, uh, we kind of touched on it earlier, a little bit of honorable mention to Kansas city and, and the chargers. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love a classic shootout recipe with the highest projected over under total of the week. Uh, that's, that should be a good yeah, game. My type also of go either way.
0: <laughs> yeah. My type of selection as I usually go for the, <laughs> absolutely. The yeah. That's choice, what I would, but- I did. I was surprised today.
1: you left that one out for me and, and <laughs> I've kind of got a better one because I think that, you know, as you were saying, and as I just mentioned that that really could just turn into a blowout from Kansas City and you're not seeing the type of production you want from the, the charger side of the ball. But in this matchup that I'm about to name, I think both sides of the ball have good chances of. Smashing their offensive productions, and that's the Bears and the Falcons. Uh, probably not what people expected to hear, but that game Loki has the recipe for a fantasy friendly frenzy. Interesting. Uh, from, I, I really think so, and it's obviously just a, a product of like, look at how bad those defenses are and how those offenses are run. Like David Montgomery now that Khalil Herbert is hurt, especially and on IR, and Justin Fields should have a field day against the Falcons' rush defense that can't stop anybody. But I'm <laughs> Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, they both have soft matchups in the secondary, and you know, Chase Claypool's kind of just been drawing coverages, but it certainly opened up some nice looks for both of those other guys, uh, who were seeing, you know, literally double coverages both, because they were the only two pass catchers on the field, and then on the flip side of the ball, it's it's Drake London and Kyle Pitts, who yeah, you can't trust the Falcons' passing offense, but they do have an excellent defense, defensive matchup in front of them, and like I said, with the tier breaker up I mentioned earlier, you got Cordarell Patterson, Tyler Algier, maybe a little bit of a flex play, should have their way against a a weak in front seven in the Bears that allow the second most rushing yards per game. It'll all come down to how much Marcus Mariota and and Arthur Smith throw the ball, open up the playbook a little bit. But if that does happen, which you know we we saw Mariota finish in the top 12 last week, who I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, If that happens where they do kind of open up the playbook a bit and and Chicago is able to score, which they've been able to do over the past few weeks with Justin Fields running rampant on everybody, I really do think that you could see London and it's finally put up serviceable bat, serviceable matchups. I have Patterson predicted to outplay his ECR. I like Montgomery. I like Fields. I like Mooney. Comet I'm a little more wary about because man, I I'll say it every single week until it's right, but the, he just can't keep scoring two touchdowns a game. Agreed. <laughs> I agree. So a little riskier there, but it's one of those underrated matchups. Like I called with that uh that Jaguars um the I think it was Jaguars Chargers game earlier in the season. There's just fantasy-friendly upside kind of written all over it, and nobody's really seeing it for what it is. Ballsy choice.
0: I like it. I went more with a uh, cut-and-dry type of choice here, something a, a game you expect to see some points, and that's the Cowboys and Vikings. I like this one here, man. You got on one side the Minnesota Vikings, who are 8-1, and one, have been balling out, and, dude, they are underdogs underdogs yep. at home against the Dallas Cowboys at eight and one, just straight up disrespect, man. I don't know about you. I just think that is super, super disrespectful. I don't think the Cowboys 100% that they should be favorites over the Vikings in this matchup, but I could go on and on about that. Well, wow. Christian Watson just caught a, on a free play, a 15 yard touchdown. He just caught it right on top of the defender. So Christian Watson Watson continues to impress, but, um, Back to the Vikings game, you got Dalvin Cook, who's been great. I'll be talking about him soon. Kirk Cousins, who's been uh, getting better as the season has gone on. Justin Jefferson, who just made one of the best catches ever and completely manhandled the Buffalo Bills. Adam Thielen, who I'm not a huge fan of this week, but he'll get his <laughs> his five to eight points. K.J. Osborne, T.J. Hawkinson. Like, you do not get a shortage of fantasy-relevant players on the Minnesota Vikings. like. At all. <laughs> and then on the Dallas side, same same there. Dak Prescott has a decent matchup here against Minnesota. You got uh, Tony Pollard, who's been great. Even if Zeke returns, you got to expect Tony Pollard gets a little bit more work. Maybe Zeke even finds the end zone and is a flex type of play there. Uh, the pass catchers, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz has risen back to top five tight end territory. I just think this game has uh, has fun and fantasy points written <laughs> all yep. over it. So yep, but I, I may have to just bet on the Vikings just out of oh I'm um, uh, just out of as as we end this recording. I'm put, get, getting that lineup. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't really I don't get how they could be uh how they could be underdogs. They're still not getting respect from Vegas. Vegas is Vegas has been disrespecting the uh the teams that are winning this year. They're like sticking with their priors from the season, like they're not buying into the Giants, the Jets, the Vikings. We'll we'll see how it goes over the second half of the season. But uh, apart from that tangent, to the next segment Grand Slam Smash of the Week. Someone do you think is going to have week winning type numbers. Um, simple as that. Someone you think is going to dominate this week. I'm going to start it off with Dalvin Cook, just going to keep it in the Minnesota Vikings family. Dalvin Cook has turned up of late. He scored a touchdown in five straight games, and he is now averaging over five yards per carry on the season. He also has five or more targets in two of his last three games after going several weeks as a non-factor in the passing game. So by all intents and purposes, Dalvin Cook is back. He also The injury that happened a few weeks ago seems to be far in the rearview mirror at this point. Now the Vikings get a Cowboys defense that has impressed this season, but they're 26th um, in true matchup rank uh, against opposing running backs, but that's because they're 32nd for receiving and 16th for rushing, which I think... Uh, is geared more towards what the Vikings want to do with Cook. Anyways, they want him to run the ball twenty plus times if they can. Uh, Minnesota's eight and one and underdogs again. Just straight up disrespectful. I think Cook sees twenty plus carries, go for goes for over a hundred yards, finds the end zone, and the Vikings prove that they're a, a legit team and not should not be disrespected going forward. Matt, Agreed. hit me with your first grand slam smash of the week.
1: Well, get out your chalkboards, folks, because I'm taking all the chalk with this one. (laughs) It's it's Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields just put up two top 10 all-time single-game rushing performances in back-to-back contests, rushing for 178 and 147 as the number one and number seven all-time rushing performances by a quarterback in NFL history. Uh, You can nitpick his ability as a passer or the weak defensive matchups that he faced all you want, Like, guess what? He gets another incredibly weak defensive matchup in week 11 against the Falcons. As we were mentioning before in the matchup of the week, the Falcons allow 20 and a half points per game to opposing quarterbacks, which seems kind of middle around the pack. But again, one of the things that true matchup ranking tells us is that they've allowed, you know, 20 and a half points per game to bad matchups to quarterbacks that on average allow much less than that. So they're ranked third in true matchup rank because they allow 34.0% more than the expected average to the opposing position. Fields appears unstoppable as a scrambler. I mean, I legitimately was like, okay, yeah, 178 yards like that's Literally the most impressive single game rushing performances, other than Kaepernick's in the playoff, but in regular in fantasy playoff or rather fantasy football history, that is the greatest single season rushing performances. There's no way he can do it again. Well, he did it again. He did it again, and he gets a even you know similarly worse matchup, but a better matchup as well on the passing side of things. So even if the Falcons are able to kind of do what the past two teams couldn't and put a spy on him that can keep up and keep him from running rampant. They also allow 280.1 passing yards per game, which is a league worst at 32nd and fields has looked better as a passer. Uh, but a lot of that has just come with the volume that they've allowed him to work with. You know, they've, they've let him throw more than 25 times a game and it's led to three touchdown performance, two touchdown performance, two touchdown performance. So no he's not going to put up 300 yards on any defense let alone the falcons but to assume that he could rush for 100 and throw for 150 and three touchdowns is legitimately probably his floor
0: yeah i you know how i feel about justin fields um yeah that's 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 more as an nfl quarterback i uh i'm very i'm very obviously understanding the fact that justin fields is a good fantasy quarterback and um because of the, the rushing ability but I still think he's a good sell high for people heading into the uh heading into their trade deadlines with the buy and a lot of tough matchups coming up but fine I'll let you have your Justin Fields <laughs> Matt I'll let you have it <laughs> uh my second my second um grand slam smash of the week is Aminra St. Brown one of the best names in the league Tim said he was interested to hear This one, since he's not on the pod today, because he wasn't uh, he wasn't loving St. Brown, St. Brown's matchup this week. But let me uh, let me ease his thoughts here a little bit, because look, the Giants have been awesome this season, and they've been one of the biggest surprises in the league, no doubt. But they're 27th in true matchup rank against the running back, 15th against a QB, 19th against a wide receiver. So if you're going to beat the Giants, it's going to be through the air. Enter Aminrah St. Brown, who in the two games since TJ Hawkinson left, had a 34% target share two weeks ago, only to be topped by a whopping 42% target share this previous week. Just absurd target numbers, and I do not see that changing anytime soon, especially this week with Josh Reynolds expected to be out again. The Giants are likely to put up points as well, just like every team sends the Green Bay Packers have done against the Detroit Lions this year. So the Lions should be forced to pass quite a bit. And the Giants' secondary is solid, but they don't have a single cornerback that provokes fear in opposing wide receivers, especially high-end wide receivers. And the Giants have not really faced many star wide receivers this season. Look at the Giants' schedule. They played Tennessee in Week 1, then Carolina, Dallas, Chicago, Green Bay, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Seattle, and Houston. The only star, quote unquote, receivers they played against are Ceedee Lamb. If you want to consider him a star at this point, and the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett combo. And Ceedee no Lamb, Kirk Love. I mean, you, you think Christian Kirk is a star? Nope. <laughs> Ceedee Lamb with Cooper Rush went eight for eighty-seven and one against. Um, against the Giants. That's probably the best wide receiver they face this year with DK, uh, with now D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as well. D.K. Metcalf went six for 55 and one despite playing through an injury that everyone thought he was going to be out from. And Tyler Lockett went five for 63 and one. And Matt, if you want me to throw Christian Kirk in there, I will because Christian Kirk has been good this year. Seven for 96 against the Giants. So wow, yeah. every single like solid wide receiver has been Good against the Giants this year. They just have not faced many very difficult receivers. Even DJ Moore in week two, three for 43 and a touchdown, his only good game with Baker Mayfield the entire season came against the New York Giants. So if they play a good wide receiver, they can be beat by that good wide receiver. I think Amin Ross St. Brown has a chance to be the wide receiver one overall this week. And uh, Ooh, I think he's going to be. I love it. Yeah, I think he, he's being uh, overlooked and could be uh, one of those guys that you have in your uh, million-dollar DraftKings winning lineup as well. That's, oh, that's go, cool. Matt, hit me with your second uh, Grand Slam smash of the week. Easy.
1: Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I think the mere fact that everyone is panicking about Elijah Mitchell receiving more carries than Christian McCaffrey in week 10 to be an absolute ludicrous joke. Like, I mean, (laughs) do we just not count receptions or targets anymore? Like, isn't that what separates CMC in a tier of his own as a fantasy running back? Is the upside that he presents as a pass catcher? True, true. Okay, sure. Like, it's, yes, it's certainly noteworthy that Mitchell recorded 18 rushing attempts and CMC only had 14 rushing attempts but he played roughly half the snaps that CMC did. He had, Mitchell had just a 35% snap share, um, CMC 68, and he recorded only two targets. McCaffrey, on the other hand, played 68% of the offensive snaps. He recorded six targets, which was a 21.7% target share, received two red zone touches, one touchdown, and had 77 scrimmage yards. Like In all honesty, it was something that we predicted on this podcast immediately after the Panthers traded McCaffrey, we knew he wasn't going to see an absurd 90% opportunity share on the 49ers offense. The offense is just, it's simply it's too deep. It's too talented, but we also knew that the weighted value of the said touches, CMC was going to receive were much higher in San Francisco than when he was with the Panthers. And I think that's evident by him maintaining an incredibly elite target share, receiving an insane amount of usage in high leverage situations like inside the red zone, inside the five yard line on passing downs, and now in This matchup to make them an even further grand slam smash of the week is the 49ers get the best possible matchup for running backs. They face off against the Arizona Cardinals, who we mentioned again earlier in that international matchup, who allow a league leading 47 and a half percent of points over the expected average to the position. That's insane. Imagine a 50 percent uptick in CMC's production like that. Yeah, exactly. There is. They allow 16.5 points per game to rushing production alone and 9.9 points per, almost 10 points per game just to pass catching alone to running backs. Like that equates to 70.1% over expected average to receiving and 38.7% to rushing. They're they're the easiest matchup for running backs, and CMC is a league winner. Nothing has changed in his explosive style of play, his nose for the end zone, his elite receiving ability. The only thing that's changed is he's not receiving 90% of the rushing work. And I honestly don't think that Elijah Mitchell is going to maintain that type of rushing share as well, even in committees that we've seen um Shanahan run, it's a little bit of a closer to a 70-30 to that lead. Um, And again, 14 carries is nothing to snuff out either. It's not like CMC just wasn't, you know, they had 45 rushing attempts in one game. So again, he's the RB1 there. He's receiving an RB1 opportunity share. It's just not in rushing production alone. And he has the easiest possible matchup for any running back this week.
0: Yeah, the way people were talking about CMC this past week, You'd think he didn't just have a very good fantasy day. Yeah. You think he didn't just put up 15 fantasy points (laughs) Yeah, in a half PPR scoring setting, even more in PPR. Like it's, it was kind of funny to me Um, before we move on to the next segment, I just want to give a, uh, an honorable mention to Amari Cooper here. I was considering choosing him and then I heard the, uh, the weather thing in uh, the weather situation in Buffalo. And that was, before And then I wrote up all these notes before the announcement that Amari Cooper will now be playing in Detroit in that game against the Bills. But um, yeah, Coop just had a huge letdown game this past week against, uh, who was it, the Miami Dolphins. And now they get the Buffalo Bills without Jadavius White. And the Buffalo Bills have been very susceptible to number one wide receivers of late. Especially, you know, see you see what Justin Jefferson did to them a couple weeks ago. Um, Garrett sure. Wilson had a nice day against them despite Zach Wilson not throwing for many yards. So I think Amari Cooper has a big smash spot here against Buffalo as well in a, in a game where they're likely to be passing a lot. Moving on to the bench warmer of the week. A couple guys that we are, that might be in fantasy lineups that we are sitting this week. I'm going to kick this one off with Kenyon Drake. Look, in week six, Kenny and Drake went 10 rushes, 119 yards, and a touchdown, and everyone was like, nice, Kenyon Drake is going to be the leader in this backfield. It doesn't matter that Gus Edwards is coming back, even if he does. Like, he just missed over a season with multiple leg injuries. His ACL, his MCL, and whatever else CL that he had to recover from. And that is not what happened. What happened instead was Kenyon and Drake had 11 carries for five total yards. And Gus Edwards was the lead back, and he ran for a couple touchdowns. Now in week 11, Drake is coming off another monster game. In week nine prior to the bye, but Gus Edwards is coming back again. So if Edwards took the lead role from Kenny and Drake in that backfield after an absence that lasted over a year, why would he not take the lead role back after an absence that lasted one game and a bye week? So trusting Drake would be needing to trust a relying on a secondary running back option in an offense where. The quarterback Lamar Jackson could steal a rushing touchdown at any point. I know Carolina is a dream matchup for opposing running backs and you can't really get like, they're the most fun runnel team probably in the league compared if you compare it to, uh, I said fun runnel run funnel team, (laughs) the most run funnel team. If you compare their passing, um, defense to their rushing defense. But I think Drake is looking like a fool's gold to me here. And, uh, I don't know if I'd want to put him in my starting lineup this week. Matt hit me with your first bench warmer of the week
1: this is so funny man and i want to mention to the other side because mine was going to be amari cooper for the exact opposite reason i was like snow game i'm not starting this guy bench him and then they moved him to michigan and i was like all right well maybe he's gonna have a pretty good game but also kind of funny to mention because one of the things that was in my notes is his road and away splits are one of the funniest things that you're gonna season. like he has it's true He's had four wide receiver one finishes this season, all of which while came playing at home, and he's had five finishes outside of the top 24, including wide receiver 79, wide receiver 90, and most recently a wide receiver 62, all of which came on the road. Now, that said, no snow game. He's in a, he's in a good spot, uh, much better spot. So not my bench warmer of the week, but my first bench warmer of the week, it's Derek Carr. It's Derek Carr. I mean, he might just be a cut candidate in one QB leagues. If you're still holding on or looking for a stream. I mean, I you know what? I just cut him in a one QB league for um, and this is even surprising, but for Russell Wilson. And part of the reason is Russell Wilson gets to play the Raiders. <laughs> And the Raiders have to play the Broncos. The Broncos are ranked 31st in true matchup rank, allowing minus 34.0 percent in points over average. That's just 10.1 points per game to opposing quarterbacks. They allow 10.1 points. They've held multiple quarterbacks with single digit performances. The Broncos are a terrifying defense, if nothing else. They have incredible woes on the offensive side of the football, but they know how to shut down opposing offenses. And it's not like Derek Carr's looked good. He's looked good. Good at delivering the ball to Devonte Adams, but he hasn't looked good really anywhere else. He's got 13 passing touchdowns, which is kind of bringing up his points per game ranking, obviously, and keeping him in that serviceable range where people are still looking at it as an option. But he's averaging just 15.4 points per game this season. Um. Obviously a a terrible, terrible matchup. His accuracy is all over the place. And the Raiders are kind of just in a position where the answer to their offense is Josh Jacobs and nothing else. So the more that Derek Carr struggles, the more that Josh Jacobs seems to continuously be receiving this incredible opportunity share that he's levying into a top six running back performance. And one thing that we you know, as good as that defense is, they're one small avenue of a weak spot, even though, you know, they just shut down Derrick Henry and stuff, but they've allowed a couple, you know, hundred yards from scrimmage from running backs this season. So if there's any production on that offense to be had against Denver it will be on the ground Derek Carr's not a rushing quarterback Devonte Adams is even a, you know could have had him in a tear breaker down this week uh but like for sure stream somebody else drop Derek Carr off your rosters look elsewhere he's not a quarterback that I'm confident in rest of season and certainly a massive bench warmer this week
0: yeah I'm with you 100 percent the Denver Broncos defense for all the laughs On the offensive side, there's nothing to laugh at on the defensive side. They're a very stout defense. And, I mean, last time they played against each other is Josh Jacobs' best fantasy performance of the year, I believe, when he had the monster game. Mm -hmm. Actually, it might have been – he might have had a better game against Seattle, but it's one of the two. Oh, well, I mean, that
1: Seattle game was the best game of his, his career so far <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so my my second bench warmer of the week is george pickens like george pickens has had a nice rookie season but week 11 against cincy is not the week to be trusting him the Bengals defense has been solid this season as they're in the bottom half of all positions in true matchup rank including 18th for wide receivers they're also coming off a bye so the Cincinnati bengals have had a bye uh excuse me have had an extra week to prepare to play against kenny pickett of all people. So (laughs) the Pickens had a, had a nice game last week, but that's because he ran in a touchdown for the first time in his career. And it was on just his second and third career rush attempts. So it's not something that we should be relying on or banking on by any means receiving wise. He went just for, he, he went just three for 32 a week after posting a donut. He has not top 32 receiving yards. Um, I mean, excuse me. He topped 32 receiving yards just once through his last four games Kenny Pickett, who I just mentioned, he's 36th in true throw value on the year. I don't really see that improving. There is not much to like about the um the Steelers passing offense this week. Um, you could throw Deontay Johnson in here as an honorable mention as well. We've picked him as bench warmer so many times successfully. I felt yeah. like I shouldn't, I shouldn't pick him again just because he's I mean, he's if you sat him on your bench every single week, you've probably been happy. So at this point. I don't see the purpose of trusting him again. So I guess I could say Steelers pass catchers to mix Pickens in with Deontay Johnson. You'd, you'd think, oh, maybe one of them has to have a good week. I don't believe that's the case. I think uh, they're going to struggle oh, against C. And I'm not looking to start either of these guys. And Matt, hit me with your second bench warmer of the week.
1: Well, I was waiting for this moment, I guess, to kind of go against your uh, matchup of the week. And oh, it, it's not really... It's not really the I I do enjoy the matchup. And again, we've seen Justin Jefferson outscore this guy in points per game this season. But Kirk Cousins, I'm not starting Kirk Cousins against the Cowboys this week. He's just barely been a QB one all season. He's 17.9 points per game. That sits as essentially the lowest QB end possible, a QB 11 and QB 10 overall. And the Cowboys allow stifling 13.6 points per game to the opposing quarterbacks that sits at 29th overall in true matchup rank and a points over average of negative 26.4%. Yeah, they just kind of got embarrassed um, by a Packers defense that, you know, have lost four of their last five and only won two games all season or, or four games all season, what have you. But I definitely don't think that that was a sign of things to come. Um, the Cowboys have been consistently good on defense and and yeah, you can get into shootouts with them, but even it's not like Aaron Rodgers had this phenomenal fantasy performance, right? He barely had over 200 yards and and three kind of broken coverage touchdowns to Christian Watson. I, I think they can fix that a little bit coming on. The defense is healthy. Uh, again, looking good. And yeah, I think Dallas can hang enough points on Minnesota's defense that, it's going to force a bit of a higher passing volume, but you're not going to see 50 pass attempts from Kirk Cousins like you did in an overtime game. And as you were saying earlier with Dalvin Cook, man, like the Vikings run game has looked a lot better as of late than when compared to the early portions of the season, which coincidentally coincides with the Cowboys defense also being slightly more susceptible against the run in recent contests like you saw with Aaron Jones last week. So I think one of the Vikings key to victories is going to be through the run game. So even in a higher scoring potential game, Maybe those points come a little earlier from Dalvin Cook or, you know, if Justin Jefferson breaks off a big one, I I certainly wouldn't be surprised, but that doesn't necessarily lend a positive hand to Kirk Cousins putting up QB1 numbers. And because we kind of, you know, focus on one QB redraft leagues, if you're not getting top 12 points, then you should be streaming. So I think you should stream if if Kirk Cousins is your only starting quarterback. I hear you. My pushback there is that
0: uh, we'll see. We haven't gotten to the streaming section of the um the uh the episode yet. But I know I wouldn't stream my quarterback over Kirk Cousins. The only person I think I'd stream over Kirk Cousins is like Daniel Jones, who isn't widely available anymore. Right. I don't think. But yeah, that's fair. Just because the QB just the QBs in general are not uh are not looking nearly as good this year streaming quarterbacks as they have in the past. But I hear you. I could see I it. can argue A. that. I can, see, I can see it being like one of those 15, 16-point Kirk Cousins games where you're like, you're not distraught that you started him, but you're also like, damn it, Kirk, you couldn't get in another touchdown. <laughs> right, right. Let's jump into our next segment, Diamond in the Rough. This is a sleeper, basically. That's what Diamond in the Rough is, a sleeper pick. One pick of a player who, you know, is probably more well-known and then one deeper pick of a player who you're likely starting only in uh deeper leagues or if you're desperate so matt why don't you start off with your uh your first regular diamond in the rough
1: yeah regular kind of deep diamond in the rough well okay i guess not not even that deep because for better or for worse this guy's the ravens wide receiver one and that's devin duvernay well, uh, he's got a po- he's got a positive matchup positive game script against the panthers as you were mentioning earlier uh they allow 28.9 points per game that equates to 11.1 percent over the expected average for the wide receiver position and Duvernay is averaging a serviceable ten point three points per game. I like the matchup. I like the game script. I like his opportunity. Sans Rashad Bateman, obviously, like like they've been running Demarcus Robinson out there when Devin Duvernay missed his one game. And you know, I think Duvernay is a streaming start in this week's streamatorium, <laughs> as we like to call it. And and honestly, like for as, long as Rashad Bateman's out, ten point three points per game is is serviceable flex play, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I have Devin DuVernay going in a few spots, and I'm not upset about that at all, really. I agree with you. Solid, solid streamatorium option. Uh, my first diamond in the rough here is Darius Layton of the New York Giants. I touched on him a little bit earlier. Darius Layton has Excellent. been all reliable since he started receiving legit work in the passing game. I know, Matt, you've been a fan of Slayton. You said he just needs to get work, and he's going to be productive, and he has. In, since week five in half PPR leagues, he has posted – 10.9, 2.3, 13.3, 9.1, and 17. That is only one dud game of four. Otherwise, it's wide receiver three flex numbers or better. And now he gets to Detroit Lions in a game that Wandell Robinson is likely to miss. The Lions are a bit stingier than you would expect. They're ranked 17th in true matchup ranks. Stingier for wide receivers, let me say. Their defense overall right. is bad. But they're likely 17th in true matchup rank against wide receivers because of how bad they are against running backs. I don't think they have like a super fearsome secondary or anything of that sort. So look, Darius Slayton is going to have to act as the entire passing offense this week, as he has for weeks now. Uh, and I don't think that's unlikely to change. He's going to be on the field a ton. I mean, I'm not terror. I'm not by any means scared of Marcus Johnson or Richie James, or I Hodgins <laughs> stealing work from Darius Slayton. Um, like I said, Amon Ross St. Brown was my grand slam smash of the week. So I think the, the Lions are going to be able to put up some numbers, and I think this could end up being a sneaky offensive-type game here, and Darius Slayton has a shot to be a top-24 wide receiver this week against the Detroit Lions. Matt, hit me with your deep diamond in the rough. This is deep. It, it's
1: it's real deep, <laughs> and, and it might even be be like more of a DFS play in one of those situations where when the lead guy goes down, nobody else has him in your roster, but it, it's trusted. in it. Tristan Ebner of the the Chicago Bears. I mean, it is what it is, and it's incredibly disappointing, but my little Khalil Herbert is on injured reserve, and David Montgomery has yet to practice this week for personal reasons. Um, As far as the beat is concerned, there's nothing too much to be worried about there. He's expected to play, but still, he's yet to practice, so Tristan Ebner's been getting... um, first team work all week uh he's a fast miniature workhorse out of baylor that has a lot of similarities to what khalil herbert has and you know again we saw khalil herbert have more than just a backup role even when montgomery was healthy and should montgomery miss the game or be injured in the contest for any reason knock on wood evner would obviously catapult into a RB1 usage role, similar in the uses that we saw Khalil Herbert get. Now, obviously, it remains to be seen whether or not Ebner can handle that usage and will be as effective with those touches, but I think he's definitely worth a stash in deeper redraft leagues as well, uh, just for the potential upside in a depleted backfield. There really is nobody else. If anything happens to David Montgomery, whether it be this week or further weeks down the road, Tristan Ebner has an 80% opportunity share in front of him. He
0: also has a good name. Tristan yeah. Ebner is a good running back name, I feel like it's true he sounds like a hammer yeah so he has that going for him
1: <laughs> it, it's my a deep, deep sleeper player, man. yeah
0: my deep sleeper is not as deep as yours but apparently i did not realize how viking centric i went with my choices today because my deep sleeper is kj osborne um kj osborne has played that, at least
1: that's such a good one
0: yeah he's i was gonna at use least... kj
1: and then i saw your list. Ah, sorry i didn't nice. mean to interrupt but fucking so good
0: <laughs> He's played at least 78% of snaps in every game since the Vikings returns from the bye in week eight. And while a lot of those snaps have been empty points for fantasy purposes and, uh, you know, a lot of just wind routes where he just runs and doesn't really get targeted, he did turn his snap share into 11 targets against Buffalo last week. And I don't think that's something to just completely look gloss over. I know they had to throw a ton because they were trailing and they came back, but with Jefferson and Thielen and now TJ Hawkinson on the team as well, there are a lot of weapons to focus on that aren't named KJ Osborne. Um, on that offense and going up against the Cowboys this week. Trevon Diggs is more than likely going to see very little of K.J. Osborne. Trevon Diggs is obviously the best cornerback on the Dallas Cowboys. I think K.J. Osborne shady has a shot to post his best game of the season here. Maybe catch a long one in a game that uh, puts up some points. And I also wanted to give a shout out to Ben Scournick as an honorable mention. I know it's gross, but Cooper Cup is out. Ben Skowronik played 98% of snaps last week. If you have a wide receiver who's going to play literally like there's a chance he plays 100% of snaps in week 11 and he saw seven targets last week as well. John Wolford's not going to QB. It's going to be Matt Stafford. And we know the Rams offense has been trashed this, uh, this year, but if Ben Skowronik sees eight targets and goes five for 52, I would not be surprised. And in a pinch, you could, uh, you could probably use that. In your lineups, if you're struggling or in a deep league, but that'll close out the uh, the diamond in the rough section here. And now we're going to go on to our streamers of the week. This is where we are discussing uh, quarterback and tight end streamers that we think have a good shot, um, of having a good game this weekend. You know, Matt, I said my streamer is not someone I'd start over Kirk Cousins, <clears throat> and I feel like I wouldn't, but I still am surprised at this guy's roster ship, and I think he has a shot to have a good game this week, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo, who has actually been dropped a ton this week. Um, Only 58% roster in Yahoo League, so still pretty widely available. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been a a tremendous fantasy asset um, this season by any means, just 15.9 points against the Chargers last week. Prior to that, he had four straight games in between 17.3 and 18.94. So he's been just about QB 12 to 15 four of the last five weeks and now we gets the arizona cardinals who are a nice matchup monday night so an extra day to prepare um jimmy g has been in the spotlight a ton of times before like you said his shiny new weapon christian McCaffrey, debo samuel is back and healthy brandon Ayuk, george kittle like jimmy g is almost impervious to busting at this point i think just because of how strong his weapons are so Fact. i do think if you're looking for a uh a solid floor and maybe some upside. Maybe he sneaks in a touchdown or maybe he's able to throw three touchdowns or so against Arizona this week. He did throw a, um, he didn't throw a touchdown against the chargers last week, which is why he didn't, uh, have a great game. But prior to that, he threw at least two passing touchdowns in four straight games. So I think Jimmy G is a solid, uh, streaming option this week in Arizona. And it's not someone people should just be glossing over if they're looking to fill their QB position. Matt, hit me with your QB streamer of the week.
1: I'm going to just, I'm going to keep bashing my head against the wall until the, the, (laughs) until it breaks, I guess. Cause again, it's Marcus Mariota.
0: (laughs) It's Marcus
1: Mariota again and again and again. It's Mariota, in, in all the leagues that I, you know, lost Trey Lance or need a streamer, and I've dropped him, and it's like, oh look, look who's available still. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's Mariota in a matchup that I've already highlighted uh, against the Bears. I obviously like that matchup for kind of having sneaky points on both sides. They're they're a little bit. Better against passing production than rushing production, but Mariota can work with his legs, obviously. That's part of the reason that his 16.2 points per game exist in the first place, is he has 347 rushing yards and three touchdowns this season. Um, just 12 passing touchdowns and 17, 000, or 1,747 passing yards, though, because he's only averaging 19 pass attempts per game. But, man, I, again, I a little bit of hope here for sure, but the matchup is indicative of what could allow the Falcons to open up their playbook a little bit, pass a little bit more. Um, obviously, checkdowns to Corderell Patterson are going to yield passing numbers just on their own. Drake London found the end zone last week. Kyle Pitts led the team with eight targets. It wasn't just a, you know, obviously always high target share with Pitts, but it was actually high volume of targets as well. Uh, I just, Mariota doesn't have to do much to have a good game other than not turn the ball over. So, and I mean, even, you know, last game, he had a, had a pretty costly turnover and, and still was inside of the top 12 uh, quarterbacks and points that week. So, yeah, as a streamer, absolutely. I mean, I can't find kind of as you were alluding to earlier, maybe not the guy that I would necessarily jump in over Kirk Cousins. I guess it kind of depends on what your waiver wires look like. But with the way that, you know, most leagues are shaking out towards this point of the season and guys are kind of hoarding their QB twos for late bye weeks from important quarterbacks like Kyler Murray and, and Justin Fields for a good example. Yeah. It makes sense that these guys are, are hard to find. So I, I like Mariota as a top 12 option that I have cousins at 13 and Mariota at 12. And that, that's probably a little aggressive. Um, maybe that, that winter game I, I could reevaluate now that I know that obviously they've switched stadiums um, to give, Josh Allen, a little bit of a bump there. Maybe Jacoby Brissett has some streaming upside, but I'm going with Marcus Mariota.
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, Mariota said, a talk about floors. Mariota said a solid floor for himself this season, for sure. Uh, my tight end streamer of the week here is a tight end that I've been, you know, I've just, I haven't been a big fan of this guy all season long as a streaming option, but he's been coming on of late finding the end zone. And that's all you could really ask for from a tight end at this point. And that's Jawan Johnson since week six when Adam Troutman uh, since Adam Troutman left the team with an injury. Jawan Johnson has seen snap percentages of 78, 74, 73, 75 and 66 this past week. That was his lowest. And yet he saw seven targets and a 25 percent target share, which was his highest of the season. So Jawan Johnson, three of his last four games has found the end zone has been a uh, has been a. T- tight end one three of the last four weeks because that's what happens when you find the end zone these days as a tight end. Once you score, you're officially a tight end one, even if it's your only catch in the game. Um, as we saw Isaiah likely um, a couple of weeks ago caught one touchdown and he was a tight end one just like that. So Jawan Johnson here, he gets the Rams, which is not an ideal matchup by any means. Um, excuse me, not the Rams. Uh, He gets yeah, he does get the Rams. I'm, I'm bugging out. Yeah, he gets the Rams. Yeah which is not an ideal uh, matchup by any means. The Rams have been good against uh, opposing tight ends this season, but nonetheless, I'm firing up Jawan Johnson. Um, They're 16th in true matchup rank against tight ends. So better than uh, better than it seems um, based off of true matchup rank and points allowed. They're 30th in points allowed, but 16th in true matchup rank, just another area of where true matchup rank um, could be, could be useful. So Matt, why don't you hit me with your tight end streamer of the week now that I've I've claimed Juwan Johnson, your New Orleans Saint tight end?
1: <laughs> I think that's a good streamer. I definitely think uh, Juwan Johnson's a good streamer. But I also think, especially because people are overlooking the matchup, I think that Kylan Granson is a good streamer this week Again, against Philly. Like The Colts travel to face the Eagles, which is obviously a tough defensive matchup, a tough defensive secondary. But Kylan Granson has really taken over that tight end one role in what was kind of a tight end by committee um, so to speak uh, earlier on with the Colts he played 30% of the set sa- or he played 30 snaps rather much higher than 30% um, last week he saw the highest amount of target share from the position he got four targets caught all four for 57 yards that was 9.7 PPR points which ranked him as tight end 11 he has another tight end one finish earlier this season in a game against Tennessee where he also saw four targets four catches 62 yards and he's been kind of sneaking up that role um, against Mo'Ally Cox and and Jelani Woods having a bit of a increase but is now injured. <laughs> Excuse me. He's kind of been sneaking up that role, but now it appears to be fully his. Again, Matt Ryan under center boosts up every single pass catching option. Sam Ellinger is just not an NFL talent. You know, that team feels better with Ryan under center, uh, as gross as that sounds to say. They're definitely an improvement from what they were using before. Uh, More passing volume, obviously, because they're not as afraid to let air it out a little bit with Jeff Saturday and with a capable quarterback under center. Jonathan Taylor opens up the offense for everybody if he looks as good as he did last week. And really, again, for a tight end streamer, like what more can you ask for than routes, run, and targets? And Kylan Granson is getting those in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I thought Moali Cox was a good. Uh, I I liked him as a best ball target this year. He's he certainly let me down. Um, but yeah, Kylan Granson, he had a nice game last week too. He didn't find the end zone, I don't believe, but still, nope. he had a had a pretty solid
1: game. I mean, and if he did, we'd probably be talking about him a lot differently coming into this Week Eleven matchup, right? If he yeah. had added a touchdown to that that very very good performance. <laughs>
0: Matt, it is time to jump into the patron start sit questions of the week. This is always a, a fun segment where if you are a patron, you could ask us in the discord start sit questions and we guarantee we will get to it on the podcast. The first one is a tight end question. Greg Dulcich or Hayden Hurst? I myself, I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst. I prefer the uh, the upside there without um without Jamar Chase playing rather than uh, Greg Dulcich even in a good matchup against las vegas what about you matt
1: yeah i'm actually gonna lean with you there which i I think you know maybe you would think greg dulcich because of what we saw in his you know first two games but that matchup isn't as good as expected and denver's just looked as bad as you can imagine um it doesn't look to be getting any better russell wilson is just a dumpster fire at this point and 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 again there's a lot of scoring to be had in that Bengals matchup i believe we talked about that earlier i think t higgins is a great play and hayden hurst sands jamar chase with a higher volume target share which has already been a respectable target share this season and and much overlooked yeah i like hayden hurst here
0: yeah um Rondell Moore or Garrett Wilson that's an interesting one because if Nuke and Hollywood both play I think I'd go Wilson but if one or the other or both don't play I would go Rondell Moore
1: I I think I agree with you completely
0: on that so let's keep an eye on the injury reports there um Jonathan
1: Taylor or Cordell Patterson? It gotta be Jonathan Taylor. He that's JT. Yeah, as much as I'm, I'm breaking tears for uh, C this week. J- JT's a locked and loaded top five are running back. If he's, you look at that last week film and that that box score and and the opportunity share that they gave him. If that continues, I mean, it's it's why you like first overall. Yeah, he
0: looked like Jonathan Taylor again last week. Exactly, which was nice to see. Um, next question. Well, those those two questions were from Kai, TJ. This question comes from Izzy. You have to start two in full PPR: Demont, Connor, and Patterson. Sitting, Connor. Sitting, Connor. Yeah. Um. From Kai, turkey or ham? <laughs> oh, turkey, hundred percent. Yeah, I I mean I, I do like ham though, but you got to go. I turkey. love pork, but turkey. Yeah. Let's see. Jalen Warren or oh, he asked about a Thursday player or AJ Dillon. I probably would have went Jalen Warren, but can't answer that one. Guy from Izzy again. Two two. Uh, you gotta have to start two in full PPR. Is it four man list? So you got to start two: DJ Moore, Daryl Henderson, Van Jefferson, and Michael Carter.
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's getting deep. That's a that's a rough one. Ah, uh, Van Van. I think I'm going to start van for potential upside. We don't really know what that offense is going to look like without Cooper cup. And it's just van's second game back. He's very familiar with the system. I, I think I'm. Hmm.
0: I would go. Uh, I mean, I definitely start Michael Carter here.
1: Yeah. Th- that's what I was just about to say is van Jefferson and Michael Carter were c- kind of my de facto choices. Van Jefferson's interesting without. Cooper Kyle. over DJ Moore, but it's with no. I don't know. Like I don't Baker think I Mayfield. Play. Like, yeah, it's just I don't want to play DJ at all. Yeah, I mean,
0: I I still think I'd play DJ more over Van Jefferson, but yeah, Uh, Kadarius Tony or Brandon Ayuk in full PPR. I'm I'm going Tony, who's my tear breaker up this week.
1: I'm gonna go Ayuk because you know uh. me. Yeah,
0: I mean, I like Ayuk a lot this
1: week. <laughs> and, well. and dude, I mean, he's just been dominating that target share for what one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row now. Like, I'm yeah. come on, what more do we? What more are we waiting for? Got a
0: handful of questions here from uh, from Slater. Pick two in PPR: Deontay Foreman, Brandon Cooks, Kadarius Tony, Cole Komet, Foreman, and Tony easily for me. Yep, half PPR. 100%. Half PPR, pick one. Rondale, Paris Campbell, Devin Duvernay. I'm going. Again, this is tough. Keep an eye on
1: it, you got to keep an eye for on Rondale. It's between Moore yeah. and Campbell there. Um yeah. vacuum if vacuum if they play, meaning Hopkins and, and Brown or one of them, then it's probably Paris Campbell. No,
0: yeah, I agree. Um PPR. All right, we got a list of seven here. We got to pick three, so stay with me. He's not Slater's not playing games. (laughs) Tony Pollard, Elijah Mitchell, Gus Edwards, Deontay Foreman, Tyler Boyd, Gabriel Davis, Michael Pittman. For me, it would be Tony Pollard, Tyler Boyd, Michael Pittman, Sit, Mitchell, Gus, Foreman and Gabe, I think.
1: See for me, I think Zeke playing would make a big difference, but it's that's true. But that said, if if he doesn't, or I mean, even if he does, man, (laughs) um, I think Pollard and Foreman and Pittman. So you're going Foreman over Boyd. That's reasonable. Yes.
0: In PPR, I think Boyd has a little bit more safety there, um, in case Foreman gets game scripted out. But we'll see. Um, PPR Fryermuth or Schultz. You got to start Dalton Schultz at this point no-brainer option at tight 100%. end, I think, right? Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, 100%.
0: Um, next up, PPR, Pollard, Zeke, or Gus? Got to be Pollard in PPR, I think. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Now we got uh three questions from Mullen1031. Pick two in PPR. Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams, Garrett Wilson, Josh Palmer. So if Mike Williams plays, I'd go Williams and Wilson. If Williams doesn't play... I'd go Tyler Boyd and Garrett Wilson.
1: How do you think Boyd, Boyd over Palmer, even if Williams doesn't play? Yeah. I i, think I'd go I Boyd think over Palmer. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, Josh Palmer's very, very boomer bust. I mean, he's kind of the definition of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yep. Pick one. Isaiah Pacheco, Demarcus Robinson, Corey Davis. Well, Corey Davis is going to be out again. Or Greg Dolchik. Uh, I'd go Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Yeah.
1: yeah, which is crazy to say, like, you know, Clyde Edwards-Solaire literally is just, I mean, man, his NFL career is essentially kaputs, right? If, yeah. if the team that drafted him won't play him. I mean, Andy Reid said that he's not
0: like just he hasn't like given up on CEH. He's he said it was like a game script type of thing, which doesn't make much sense. But we'll see. Maybe he uh, maybe he starts playing CH again next week. Like We'll have to wait and see how that backfield ends up. But last one from Mullen. He says, "Pick one in PPR: Michael Gallup, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Paris Campbell, or Garrett Wilson." I'm look. I really like Paris Campbell and Garrett Wilson this week, but
1: I think I if I he's just, cleared, I'm not. I'm not benching Hollywood.
0: Yeah, I think I just wait till Monday night and either play Hollywood if he's active, or play Rondell Moore if Hollywood's out. Right. Yep. If you have both, Ex- then you
1: can just exactly. Yeah. That's exactly where that strategy should go for sure. From Hopefully Gary he's gonna play before that though. Yeah.
0: The fact that it's a Monday night game is super, super frustrating. Gary asks, half VPR, Greg Dolchik, or Cole Komet? I'm going Dolchik. I can't I can't with Komet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean he can't keep finding the end zone twice. He can't keep getting away game. with this. <laughs> <For> this. <laughs> yeah. Uh That said, because it's my, you know, my my focused matchup and Fields is my Grand Slam smash, so there's going to have to be some passing production for that to work out. I'll I'll lean Comet. I'll lean Comet slightly, but I'm not mad at starting Dulcich here. Yeah, I hear you. I I lean
0: Dulcich, but I wouldn't be upset starting (laughs) Comet. Full PPR: Khalif Raymond or Paris Campbell? Oh, Paris Campbell. Yeah, that's so easy. Half PPR: Start to James Connor, Josh Palmer, DeAndre Swift. I mean, I'm starting
1: Swift and Connor. Yeah, I'm starting Swift and Connor, I think. Jamal Williams hasn't practiced yet, I don't think, or or maybe gotten one limited, but it's trending towards Jamal Williams might be um, a limited participant in the game itself, which would just, whether they want to utilize him that way or not, would open up a pretty big opportunity share for DeAndre Swift.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's see. Next question. <clears throat> start one. Garrett Wilson, Kareem Hunt, Adam Thielen. They gotta be Garrett Wilson there, right? Yep. That's from Nick Lovin. Half PPR start two. Cortland Sutton, Van Jefferson, Kenny and Drake, Donovan Peoples Jones. I think I'm going Sutton and Peoples Jones now, now that we know, sweet. Yep. Now that we know that he's not gonna play in uh we agree on that one. In rain and snow of five feet. The I don't know if you saw the gifts. It was pretty hilarious. Um, I thought of uh, of like mad snow and something moving underneath, and people are like Devin Singletary on Sunday because <laughs> he's less than six feet, and they were calling for six, <laughs> feet six feet of snow. That's wild. Nick Lovin asked PPR Elijah Mitchell or Kareem Hunt. I feel like it'd be Elijah Mitchell at this point. Kareem Hunt has been a nothing. Trash. Yeah, not not ideal. Um, let's see. Johnny asks Justin Herbert or Daniel Jones if Williams and Allen return. I'd go Herbert. Otherwise, we're going with DJ. Daniel Jones. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One hundred percent. Zach Wilson or Andrew Dalton. Jake from IT in a half. Well, it doesn't matter if it's half EPR, but super flex. Zach Wilson or Andrew Dalton. I'm going with Zach Wilson.
1: I agree, man. And that's just so disappointing to even say. Yeah, I mean, the Saints fan agrees with the Jets fan that you should probably start the Jets quarterback. And on that note, we still don't know that Dalton's actually starting this Sunday.
0: Uh, I I think they announced it earlier today. Okay, well, then there you got the news
1: faster than I did. Yeah,
0: I forgot to mention that in the the news and notes section. Well, we're here now. Yeah. (laughs) Half PPR, Devontae Smith, or here we go, Rondell Moore. I'm sorry guys, but these Rondell Moore questions. We need to we need to know more. No pun intended. <laughs> but um yeah, with Rondell Moore and Devontae Smith, I think Devontae Smith is a very good option to play. Um but I mean I, I'd prefer Rondell Moore if one of the two are out. I know
1: that's that's where when it's going to come Hopkins down to. Hollywood, and he- uh, hence probably why he's such a polarizing, you know, start sit this week. Yeah, I mean Yeah, I think it's DeVonte Smith regardless. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean I I don't I don't disagree. I think DeVonte Smith is in a good spot this week. Yeah, so. me too. Yeah. With DeVonte Smith there and now this last one is gross. It's decimated by injury. I need to start too. Olimide, Zacchaeus, Olamide, Zacchaeus, Alec Pierce, and Isaiah Pacheco. Full PPR. For me, I'm going Pacheco and Zacchaeus. Yep. I think. Z-
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, Yuck, though, is that's right. Roughly <laughs> gross. But but yeah, I mean, there's not much analysis that needs to go there. OZ's randomly seeing more routes <laughs> and snap percentage than even their best receivers. So yeah may as well big will making an appearance says
0: greg dolchik or mark andrews come on big will don't disrespect mark andrews like that if mark andrews worried about is active, the injury if he's active him. you're starting him though yeah he also asked jimmy g or kirk cousins look at that that's funny we literally discussed that exact scenario that's very very close i'd give the edge to kirk cousins by a little bit
1: though yes i i think i would too but i i i'm also a little lower on kirk than you obviously. Yeah. And I'm still giving the edge to Kirk.
0: Flex spot, half PBR, George Pickens, Greg Dulcich, or Drake London? I think I'd go Drake London here. Me too, yeah. But you got to hope he finds the end zone. Um, yep. We got about th- four more questions left from M. Evans, 328. Gerald Everett or Foster Moreau in half PBR? If Everett plays, I think I'd go Everett.
1: Yeah, uh, Denver's yeah. Denver's defense is just so tough against everybody, right? So yeah, I agree there.
0: Um, superflex from Anunnaki Priest, Barkley slash Cousins, or so Saquon Barkley and Kirk. This is a trade, I assume. Saquon Barkley and Kirk Cousins, or Keenan Allen and Ken Walker.
1: If it's superflex, it's it's oh excuse me, Josh broken. Allen. Josh Allen and Kelly. Oh, okay. So Barkley and yeah. Cousins, or Allen and Walker. I think I'd go Allen and Walker. Allen and Walker. The the uh, separation between high end quarterbacks and low end quarterbacks this year is the the largest discrepancy that we've ever seen in fantasy football. Um, yeah. Josh Allen is legitimately like like you would have felt about Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey being positional assets in, in at the tight end position. That's what Josh Allen's giving you at quarterback this year. No, oh, yeah, I agree with you. And lastly, start one Garrett Wilson,
0: David Montgomery or Deontay Johnson. I think you have to start David Montgomery start with yeah. Khalil Herbert out. Yep. And that's it. That was it for the Patreon recap there. That was some, uh, excuse me, the Patreon sit start. <clears throat> We're going to jump into the recap section of the unlimited leagues, the balding league and the slightly unlimited league. Uh, Matt has been the, one of the luckiest seasons I've ever seen from anyone this season, but we'll get into that <laughs> shortly. Gonna go still, with, <laughs> I'm going to go, bro. I'm going to jump at the Tim's division first. The Brodo Unlimited Ball Division, where Tim, the one and only, sits in last place at one and nine. So shout out to Tim for that. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Yeah. Otherwise, in that league, um, in first place sits the Bearded Bastard in... Uh, at eight and two, shout out to and, Sofo. Yeah, shout out to Sofo, who we had on the uh, patron podcast discussing injuries earlier in the year. Another perk um, of being a patron. Second place, Hertz Alert. Third place, to a B or not to a B. Four wins in a row has jumped him up at the third place. Fourth place at seven and three. Can you digs it, sucka? Big Will, three wins in a row has jumped him up at the fourth. Farmer John falls down to fifth with a loss. Chilling with my falls down to sixth with the loss. And then in seventh place, Trenton, Trenton Roberts, the Broto-Devi Dives writer, gets two wins in a row to jump up to seventh place. Return of the TTV King with a loss down to eighth. Lawrence in order. Mullen, 1031, jumps up to ninth place with a win. Ken McDuff to 10th with a win. Top 10 teams, all 500 or above. Five and five all the way down to 10th place. The ones who are under five hundred, you gotta earn earn the right to be named. I'm not gonna say those teams now because <laughs> they gotta they gotta get to five hundred or better. I like except, that they're in relegation. Except Tim and Cass. Cass is three and seven, and Tim is one and nine, so they are not that showing out is. in the unlimited league. <clears throat> Funnily, funny enough, in week ten, shout out to Mullen who uh, had the highest score of the week with 151.72 points. Heading into week 11 here. Let's see what the best matchup is here. A lot of top versus bottom matchups in this one. We have a one versus seven though, or two two versus three. This one should be good here. Matt, I want you to tell me which side you're, you're rolling with here. Except Ooh, the team in third place. It's a little rough. No Tua or Christian Kirk. So let's see. His starting lineup is Dalvin cook, Dawson Knox, Mike Williams, Tony Pollard, Ben Skournick, Khalif Raymond, Mar uh, Mac Jones, and Daniel Jones. So it's a, a decent starting lineup, but certainly missing Tua it's, and Kirk. It's, it's I think. not bad. Yeah, the second place team hurts alerts. Trey McBride, Travis Kelsey, Brian Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Joe Burrow, and Jared Goff. Oh, he actually, he actually has Debo on his bench. So assuming Debo jumps in over Trey McBride. Ooh. Hertz Alerts is a good team. I think I'm going Hertz Alerts here.
1: Yeah, I would have to agree. I also like just the the since they both have the two quarterbacks in the super flex position. I I do lean towards the better quarterback options there as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. But yeah, shout out. Tim is playing the uh the tenth place team. I hope Tim is the first to ten losses. That would be fun. He's well on his way at one and nine. Tim actually started one and zero, oh and has since dropped to one and nine. Oh, okay the reason debo samuel oh look at this we have a trade that went through debo samuel jacoby myers and a hundred dollars in fab money this happened an hour ago for dalvin cook wow yeah hertz alerts who's in second place was able to package myers debo and a hundred dollars in fab for dalvin cook to bolster his team even further shout out to hertz alerts who's uh really looking to make a push he now gets to add Dalvin cook into his starting lineup along with guys like Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Joe burrow. It's a good team. Very solid That's a team. squad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump back to the Broto unlimited, slightly balding division. Now the one with Matt and I, I was making fun of Tim, but I am now in 15th place at three and seven. I've never been this decimated with injuries before. I lost Hollywood Brown. I lost Jamar Chase. Now Juju got hurt. I had Trey Lance as my quarterback, who I had to get rid of. I've just been dealt injury after injury. Not ideal for my team, but what are you gonna do? In first place, Team JRXDD is uh, seven and three. So seven and three is a little a little shocking to me that that's first place, but that's where we are in this league with Matt, who has one thousand one hundred and five points. I have nine more points than you, Matt. I'm three and seven with an injury decimated team. <laughs> and you're in second place, seven and three on a three game <laughs>
1: defense wins championships. Points. Matt is
0: playing the best defense we've seen all year right now. Um, impressive work, Matt. And you got after that Eagle 2080 with a win, jumps up to third team KV from PK, who has been jumping back and forth between like first and fifth place all year, lost down to fourth place team G Martini um, with a loss. He drops down to fifth place team drip. C, who had the best team in the league, in my opinion was first overall and then just started losing, losing, losing finally wins again. It's up to six and four and back in the playoff picture at sixth team. Thanks Zeke six and four with a win team. Alexander to great, Drops to five and five after he has made a valiant comeback effort. Jovid 19 with a win jumps up to ninth um, at five and five. And just like I did with the other league, you have to earn your way into the name segments from now on 500 or above, (laughs) except I will shout out uh, Nick Lovin, who was two and six riddled with injuries and has fought his way back to four and six. So making a little push and then uh, I'm in last tied well actually i'm in 15th so look i'm in 15th but 1114 points is about middle of the pack so now i'm actually a little salty team drip c has is has two more points than me in sixth i have more points in seventh place i have more points than you in second place i'm officially salty folks
1: i think i'm like third or fourth last in total points (laughs) (laughs) doesn't Um, matter this was a this is a rough one for
0: uh KV from BK, who I just shouted out. If he won, he would have been in first overall, but he was the second highest scorer with 126 points and lost to Eagle twenty eighty, who was the highest scorer, one forty six point oh four. So the only reason he's not in first place is because he played the one team of the fourteen other teams, not including himself, that uh that would have beaten him. So bad timing.
1: <laughs> That's rough.
0: With that being said, let's look into let's see what the best matchup of the week is. We have a three and five. That one might be at three and five. Um, you're playing the 11 seed and I'm playing the six seed. Um, yeah, let's look at a three and five matchup here. We have a uh, team G Martini against Eagle 2080. G Martini starting Stefan Diggs, Austin Eckler, Curtis Samuel, Darnell Mooney. George Kittle, Garrett Wilson, Davis Mills, and Dalton Schultz. He also has Mike Williams on the bench to possibly replace uh, maybe like a Curtis Samuel or Darnell Mooney. And then on the Eagle 2080 side, Tyler Higby, Terry McLaurin, Travis Kelsey, Ramondre Stevenson, Eli Mitchell, Adam Thielen, Pat Mahomes, and Saquon Barkley. Both of these guys only starting one QB, despite it being a, a super flex with
1: two... Quarterback
0: options, which is and interesting. Both of
1: them in the top five, so I mean they're yeah. they're rolling.
0: I give the slight edge to Eagle twenty eighty here. I think the Patrick Mahomes, Saquon Barkley, Kelsey, and Stevenson combo is going to be too much for the other side to handle.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. It's almost a uh, like there's a lot of top end production on G side, and, and a lot of just solid, consistent floors across the board on on uh the other side so yeah i'm I'm gonna go with the the mahomes barkley i also like stevenson kelsey higby with you know no cooper cup has stopped playing left tackle again so that's a that's a (laughs) a solid lineup to have to overcome but but g certainly has the firing power in in his top guys to do so
0: yeah we'll see this should be a, a good matchup um at the very least but that'll be it um for the balding and unlimited balding division recaps and that'll be it for the show as well thank you guys for listening as always week 11 fast approaching the fantasy football playoffs so you know keep it uh keep listening we shall be here all the way through we'll be back on Monday for the recap pod as well which is always fun um I'm at BrotoFF Mike Matt where can they find you at psychward ff for Cass at FF at Broto FF Casanova for Tim at Brodo FF Tim for Jason at Brotoff FF Jason at broto Fantasy on Twitter at FF by Broto for the app Twitter um download the Fantasy Football by Brodo app and patreon.com slash Fantasy to support the show and to get a ton of perks and to join the glorious Brodo Discord which is always a ton of fun I'll, I'll hop in there and have to catch up on like a hundred messages and 98% of the time I start cracking up reading through the messages because we got some funny dudes um dudes and gals in that chat so yeah it's true so. it's a fun one so do that if you want to uh, support us we will appreciate it and thank you guys for listening have a great week 11 and uh see you in a few days
1: yeah peace out later